Appreciate that. Good morning. Happy Easter. Nice to see this place so packed. Love it. I think about this time last year we were meeting online. So nice to be able to meet in person. How are we this morning? Very good. Well, we're going to dive into the Word this morning. Uh, I'm going to be reading out of John chapter 20 to start us out and recounting part of what we celebrate today. John chapter 20, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet, they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this tremendous story, this reality, this truth that has been handed down to us, Lord, that we might have hope. God, we are grateful today, and we celebrate you, and we celebrate your word. God, and I pray that as we examine the scriptures today, Lord, that those words would go out and be sown into each one of our hearts, Lord, finding fertile soil to land on and a place to produce something fruitful in our lives. Father, I just invite you by the power of your Holy Spirit to be at work amongst each one of us today, Lord, bringing the encouragement and the healing and the comfort and the direction, whatever it is, people need today from you, Lord. I pray you'd be ministering to the needs of your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, holidays are kind of fun. Uh, I know some of you are wild holiday people. You probably have your house decorated in Easter stuff. How many of those types of people do I have in the crowd today? Super festive. You've got like storage units full of decorations, things like that. Uh, I'm not necessarily one of those people. I don't always get too wound up about the holidays, but I always appreciate something, particularly about Easter and Christmas and some of these faith-based holidays, is that it's a great time to stop and reflect and remind ourselves of some basic realities and basic truths. That's the purpose of the holiday. You know, we don't see anywhere in the Bible that Jesus said, let's start a holiday after I rise and let's celebrate it and it'll be controversial about what day it is, all those kind of things. But we do it as a reminder to ourselves of what he has done for us. And today is a day where we take the time to stop and consider the bigger picture. I want to focus in on verse 9 that I just read to you this morning where it says, for as yet... They did not understand the scripture. 
For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. What do we learn from this short passage here that they didn't understand the scripture? Well, it tells us, first of all, that the scripture is true. The scripture was the authority in this situation. In fact, the author John is is looking back and saying, we didn't quite understand that the scripture had to be fulfilled, that it was going to be fulfilled, that it was truth. The scripture was true. We just didn't quite understand the full magnitude of it at the time. And so often that's true in our lives. We, we study the scripture and we read the word of God and we know that it's true and we know that it's good and we know that it's right, but we don't always understand it completely. And so we wait for God to bring us revelation about what he is showing us. Isn't it interesting? It says that he must, he had to rise from the dead. It is what was going to happen always. It was always part of the plan. He had to rise from the dead. Isn't that interesting? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11, Paul wrote this, The saying is trustworthy. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. We won't be going too much into depth on it today, but often at Easter when we're talking about the significance of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is that when we put our faith in him, it's as if we died. We leave the brokenness of this world. We leave sin behind. We enter into forgiveness from God. And in the same, he died for us in our place. And in the same way that he died in our place, he also rose as the forerunner for what you and I will experience someday. He broke the ground. He made the way. He set the example. He made it possible for us. Acts chapter 2, verse 24, Peter, when he's preaching the the first gospel message, if you will, uh, after Jesus' death and resurrection and when the Holy Spirit came, it said, God raised him, being Jesus, up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. It wasn't possible for death to hold on to Christ. It had no authority over him. You know, we talked about this last week in the book of Romans. Paul goes to great lengths to explain that sin came through one man, through Adam, and that by sin, death entered the human race. And it's always been a little bit unnatural and awkward, and it never quite feels right that we would experience that in this life. And that's because God is eternal, and there's eternity inside each of us that understands somehow there's more than that. But it couldn't hold him because he was without sin. He was totally innocent. It had no authority in his life. And that brings great hope to you and I. Because when we put our faith in him, and in this resurrection that we celebrate today, it also tells us that ultimately, at the end of the story, death will have no authority over us. Do you know the scripture actually teaches that the final enemy of God's to die will be death itself? That is is good news for us. Such a bigger picture going on. So much more than this life. Romans chapter 6 verse 9. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. 
And again, what does that, that tell us? That's great that that's, that's his situation and, and that's where he is at. But that actually then plays out in your and I's reality as well. When we put our faith in Christ, when we've submitted ourselves to him, we also become free at the end of the story, at the culmination of time. We also are free from that dominion. I ran across a quote this week uh, that I thoroughly enjoyed and it inspired me to maybe dive more into this particular lens with which to look through at the resurrection of Christ. And it was a man named Clarence W. Hall. He was a Christian author in a previous generation. And he said these words, if Easter says anything to us today, it says this, you can put truth in a grave, but it won't stay there. You can put truth in a grave, but it won't stay there. What a chaotic season it's been. I'm tired of saying that, honestly. Tired of bringing it up, but it's just our reality. And we have to keep dealing with the reality that we're in and the the weirdness and the chaos that has been in the world in recent seasons. And it was interesting, we were discussing this as a staff this last week, how quickly things descended into chaos. How quickly the whole picture turned upside down, politically, pandemic-wise, all these kind of things. How quickly it shifted. And it reminds me of the instability of the institutions of men and the plans and the schemes of mankind and all the things that we place our confidence in are shaken. People have been shaken in more ways than I can count for you today. The foundations of the things that we have believed in the world have been tested. Some have cracked. The instability, while concerning, is actually a catalyst for God. It's actually something for God to recalibrate his people. And so when we go through difficult times and struggles, it's an opportunity for God to adjust us. One thing I found myself asking a lot, and I've seen a lot of conversation about it, social media, different places like that, is the truth. What is true? If what Clarence Hall said was true when he's talking about you could put truth in a grave, but it won't stay there, made me think about what is true. All I really wanted so many times this last year was some truth. What's true? I don't know if anything I'm reading, anything I'm hearing, anything anyone is telling me is true. How can I know it's true? The truth is so valuable, isn't it? Because when we have it, it changes the whole game. But when we don't really know what the truth is, we stand on shifting, sinking sand when we don't know what the truth really is. It's become very concerning. You know, it's a, it's a bad sign when we begin to accept as truth everything that supports our argument and nothing that doesn't. Did you find yourself doing that this year? Reposting a post only to find out it was fake news? When we put our faith in something that's not true? Very difficult. When we only believe the information that supports our opinions or biases, we're in serious trouble. What am I standing on? What am I believing? What, what is true? I want the truth. It's so much easier to operate when I know what is true. The truth will, you know, we often say, the truth will ultimately prevail. Actually, we'll quote George Washington today. 
Uh, he's not in the Bible. He was a little while, a little while afterwards, but he said something that often we, uh, we parrot in different ways and has been said by many different people, but he said this, truth will ultimately prevail where there are plans to bring it to light. Don't we like to believe that the truth ultimately prevails? But often we look at circumstances in the world around us where someone cheated or someone lied or something happened and it, and it changed the course of events and we're like, this is, this is injustice. It's not right. But when we believe in the scripture and when we believe in what Jesus Christ has done, we know that ultimately at the end of all things, the truth does prevail, doesn't it? And in that we have great hope. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. You can put the truth in the grave, but it won't stay there. Jesus is the truth. Uh, Well-known author Randy Alcorn uh, said this, truth is far more than a moral guide. Jesus declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me in John fourteen six, He did not say that he would show the truth or teach the truth or model the truth. He is the truth. Truth personified. He is the source of all truth, the embodiment of truth, and therefore the reference point for evaluating all truth claims. See, truth, everything I think, and we talk about this a lot, that anything that is good or all things that are good in this world are defined as good because they came from the character and the nature of God. Nothing is good apart from God himself. Jesus even said, why do you call me good? Only my father is good. So everything that we would define as good in this life isn't good because we have some kind of chart somewhere, but because it is the very character and nature of God to be good. And that's how we get our definition of good. And that's how we get our definition of truth. Truth is only true and and good and powerful like it is because its foundation is in God himself. So whenever we're claiming something is true, or wrestling with what is true, we have to realize that truth is the part of the character and the nature of who God is, and that makes it very, very powerful. True information isn't powerful just because it's information. It's powerful because it's good, and you can do something with it. It's right, and it reflects on some, there are good and right things in the universe, despite what we're tempted to believe at times, and they are derived from the character and the nature of God himself. When we claim to know the truth or have the truth in any circumstance, it must hold up to the light of the character of Jesus Christ. If you abide in my word, John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, first of all, what do we see? We want to be true disciples. You know, you ever, we use the word true in, in various circumstances. You know, your, your aim is true. I often think of a bow and arrow situation. Your aim is true. Or 
Your aim is not true to miss the mark. Remind you of some other things we've talked about in days gone by. What is sin? Sin is to miss the mark, is to be out of alignment, is literally what it means. But to be true is to be on the mark. Or we say a wall is true or plumb or straight or square, all those kinds of things. We would use the idea of true in that. And that is how God is. He is He is the definition of alignment. When we operate in his character and in his nature and according to his ways, we are in alignment. We are true. And we can be truly his disciples when we abide in his word. How do we know that our discipleship is true? When we're abiding in his word, when we're soaking it in, when we're living it, when we're absorbing it, when we're allowing it to transform our lives. Just like these disciples, they didn't quite understand yet what the scripture had actually taught. But eventually they did. It got them on the right track. It got their aim true, their trajectory, their path was straight because they were true disciples honoring the word of God. But he also goes on to say, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And you know what? The truth isn't just information. It isn't just the information that Jesus rose from the dead that sets us free. Is that he is the truth, that we can know him, that we've been adopted into his family through his death and resurrection. We can know the truth, not just the inf- information, but the truth itself, Jesus Christ. He is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. It's all in him. And he is who we go for. Freedom is in the light. The truth will set you free. You could probably, if we thought about it long enough, you probably could come up with some circumstances in your life where when the truth finally came out, it's so relieving and freeing, isn't it? You know, when you've been dealing with a difficult circumstance or perhaps conflict or an unknown, and then once it comes into the light, how much freedom is there once something is exposed? Truth sheds light to see what actually is versus what is not. We can see so much clearly when the truth comes in. I think it's, you know, when you see in a cartoon, the guy gets a little light bulb above his head. Light bulb. Light comes on. What's, what's going on? An idea, a truth. Something is illuminated in our minds. An aha. Oh, I get it now. I can see it clearly. How about when you're trying to find something in the dark? These glasses next to my bed, fumbling in the dark, trying to find them, feeling my way. But if I turn on the light, I can instantly see. I can see accurately. It's all suddenly been revealed. I can move quickly and productively. Or maybe you have crazy dreams like I have, and you think maybe there's a spider in your bed or something like that. And it turns out to just be your little black dog, Izzy. We have a little mini dachshund who likes to burrow under the covers. And sometimes she sneaks into our room. She's not normally allowed in there. Sometimes the door is cracked or something. She gets in and she burrows down. Well, if you're having a dream that there's a giant hairy spider at the foot of your bed, you want to see a grown man scream like a little girl and throw the covers off? Right here. What happens? Turn on the light. And I see the truth. Oh, it's just my annoying little dog. 
That's how powerful the truth is. That's what the truth brings into our lives. When we allow it to illuminate the reality, we can be relieved, we can be at peace, we can make wise decisions, we can chart our course in a good direction because we suddenly see it for what it actually is. The truth is very powerful and he is the truth. And we know that the Son of God has come and given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. You'll notice I'm using a lot of John scriptures because John himself actually, both in his gospel and in the letters he writes later in the New Testament, is very focused on this idea of truth. It's very important in his writings. There's so much here we could unpack about the reality of being in Christ and him being true. It just, I think it, it leads us to trust. Truth leads us to trust. If I know you're always going to tell me the truth, I can trust, can't I? Or what if I have friends that I can trust because they're going to tell me the truth? But isn't it ugly when we tell a lie and a lie has to become another lie, has to become another lie, and pretty soon you've got a big web of lies? You're not even living in reality anymore. It's not real. It's some fake facade thing that doesn't actually exist. And that's an unstable life. And an unstable circumstance to find yourself. We want the truth. And we want trust to be built. Falsehood leads to distrust. Or broken trust. But Jesus is true. The Bible says the wounds of a friend can be trusted. And sometimes we deal with wounds in our life that we don't even understand how we could ever trust God with whatever happened in our lives. How could that, how could that be possible? And yet we're stressed, uh, stretched to trust him, to trust him that in the end, even in this life, you know, we may never realize the extent of something or the magnitude of it or what it meant for generation after generation after generation. But still, all of this ends with Christ on the throne. All of this ends with everything being brought to the light. Even our lives are examined by God at the end of time. We like to, we, sometimes we think, oh, such and such a big successful guy, he got away with telling a lot of lies and that's how he got rich and whatever. He, he got away with it. Nobody gets away with anything. The truth does prevail because Jesus prevails. Everything that is hidden comes to the light. And that is a good thing because we want to know everything about what we're dealing with. And we leave, you know, when God exposes the ugly things in us and the truth shines on us and you're like, oh, I was wrong about something because the truth is I was misbehaving or the truth is I wasn't obeying God. And when it comes to the light, that's a good thing because then we can run to him for forgiveness and deal with it and move on in a straight line, a true line as true disciples. I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth. Again, this is John in 3 John writing. As indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. John's talking about his spiritual children here. The people he has discipled and raised up and taught. 
And what brings him more joy than anything? To know that his people are walking in the truth, walking in Christ, walking in his ways, operating on something that is solid. The truth is solid. Lies are not things that aren't true. So we must seek the truth. We must seek Christ. We must pray and read his word and let his Holy Spirit minister to us and speak to us so that we may apprehend the truth and know how to navigate such an unstable place that we live. This is more than an acknowledgement of what is true. It's an actual living out of what is true in our day-to-day lives, our decisions, our relationships. See, we do this, and, and, and it's fairly natural that, that once we know something up here in our head, that's good enough. I've realized something factual, and that I, I've, I've mental assent to the facts, we would say. I've accepted it in my brain, but when it's not actually influencing the way I live, I haven't yet con- experienced the full reality of it. If I, don't li- if I don't actually take steps, I probably don't actually believe it. So if I, have, if I have the information in my head, it is insufficient. We're called to walk it out, not just absorb it and know it in our heads, but let it play out in our lives, take steps in the truth. Stephen Covey said, we judge ourselves by our intentions, but others by their behavior. Great quote Jason brought up to me in recent weeks. We judge ourselves by our intentions. Hear my heart, right? Don't, I, I, maybe I screwed up, but my, my heart was in the right place. But we judge others by their behavior. And the reality is we need to understand both. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, out of our actions, out of what's inside of us, begin to play out in the reality around us. We want our thinking and our actions to be rooted in the truth. And then we want the truth to produce action in us. I'd like to invite the worship team up here. Uh, We're going to do communion today. The truth is a very liberated place to be. And it's where we want to find ourselves. We're going to do communion today before I wrap up the service and uh, these guys are going to play some music. We have four tables up here. You can just line up behind these tables as they're playing music. Serve yourself. There's uh, bread in the little cups in the front. There's wine or juice up here that you can choose. Have you take it back to your seat and wait till everybody's been served, and then I will lead us in it. Uh, you don't need to be a member of the church to participate in communion here. Uh, we leave it up to parents whether or not their children can join us. That's your decision. Um, Then once everybody is served, we will take in the elements together. So would you please stand and just start lining up over here at these lines and serving yourself, and we'll do this. Accepted, you were condemned.
chapter 22 we'll read Luke's account of what we now call the Last Supper or the Lord's Supper verse 14 and when the hour came he reclined at table and the apostles with him and he said to them I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer for I tell you I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God and he took a cup And when he had given thanks, he said, This is, or take this, and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
and likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood, the new agreement, the new way that came with the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, we come before you this morning to remember that your blood was shed and you suffered and died, Lord, as the ransom for us. And that when we put our faith in you, Lord, our sins are forgiven and you begin to transform us. But God, you rose from the dead as the forerunner of all of us to rise on a day when death no longer has dominion over us and a day that's in our future and a day that the truth ultimately prevails. So we honor you this morning. You may take the bread. And the cup. Today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We secured resurrection for us as well. Jesus is the foundation that we firmly stand on. He told a story where he said, he who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock, on the truth, on something that does not shift or change. I want to remind us all that you know, if, we're, if you've been running from God or if you've never even given your life to him, that he very much would welcome you with compassion and grace and forgiveness and mercy and the transformational power of his Holy Spirit to lead you in life. He wants wants to bring you into freedom. He wants the truth to set us free. Many have bought into the false idea that to submit to God is bondage. But I'm here to testify to you today, and many here would, that it's actually freedom. So if he's tugging on your heart today, respond to him. Let him in. Let him be the Lord. Let him be the boss. Such a free place to be. We're going to have a prayer team right up over here to my left as we wrap up the service today. If you need prayer for anything or you'd even like to discuss, discuss that or prayer for anything at all, we would love to pray with you. If you would like to visit more about what salvation really is and what it means to allow Jesus into your life as the Lord, I'd love to visit with you about that and talk to you about that. You guys, it's a good day. We have good truth and good things to look forward to. Would you stand? Lord, bless each one today as they celebrate you. Bless their time with their families. Bless their time at home. Bless their time in whatever adventures they find themselves on today. Every one of us, God, may your spirit be ringing in our ears, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We put our hope in you. In Jesus' name, amen.